0: Well, we we are so excited that you're here today. I have waited a really, really long time um, for this moment, and I will try not to be emotional. But I'm sure there'll probably be a time or two when I probably get that way. But that's just kind of the way I'm wired. I'm gonna steal one of these music stands. Which one should I take? I'll take this one. Well, um, how many of you are visitors today? <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Can't wait to tell my pastor friends. I had. 70 visitors at church today. It was incredible. All we did was advertise on Facebook and, and bribe people to be there. It was great. Good stuff. Well, hey, dad's in the room. Just raise your hand if you're a dad. All right? So praise you. Thank you uh, for being here. Thank you for doing your job. I believe my job as a dad is to protect, to direct, and to correct, and embarrass my kids as much as possible. That's that's one of my jobs. And my, my daughters will tell you I do a pretty decent job about all of those things, especially when it comes to the, uh, whoops, to the um, embarrassing them. Well, let's just say Father's Day. Father's Day um, really began in the heart of a young woman back in 1909. Her name was Sonora um, Dodd, and in, in Sonora's heart, she was her dad was a single father. Her mother had passed away, and she saw all the recognition that the moms were getting, and she was. She was concerned that her dad wasn't getting the recognition he needed too, so she began to petition to have a special day for dads, and that's how it all got started back in 1909. And it's funny that it actually says she took the idea to a YMCA in Spokane, Washington, Washington, and said Washington. That's why my mom talks. Um, and she might hear this message, and then she'll, like, don't talk about me when you're preaching. But anyway, so Spokane, Washington, and that's where it all began. But it wasn't until, like, later in the 1970s when it finally became an official um, recognized holiday. Guys, it took a long time for us to get our credit, you know. But we're here, and so we're excited. I believe that dad, dad's role is crucial. It's a crucial uh, role in, the, in, a, in a family. And you'll see in the culture that we live in, the enemy of our souls t- tries to take dads out. Um, more often than not. So dads, we got to be strong. We need each other. We all realize we're all a work in progress, right? We're not perfect. We all, need, we all need some help. But this is not a DIY, right? You know what that is? A do-it-yourself project. You cannot go on YouTube and find a video that's going to help you be a dad on your own. You're going to need some help. And so obviously we want to be a part of that as far as the church goes to try to help dads be all that they can possibly be. Well, I know that the day is hard for some. Father's Day, it's kind of a mixed bag for me because my story, um, I won't tell you the whole story, but I never knew my biological father, and so that makes Father's Day a little bit different for me. My uh, stepdad, who adopted me when I was one, was a good man, he gave me this uh, last name that nobody can pronounce and nobody can spell, but he also gave me a good life and took good care of me. Uh, I have a, a, um, My mom got remarried after my stepdad passed away in 1994. And there's been some good men in my life. God has always put men around me to support me, encourage me, and I appreciate that. But so it's a little bit difficult just to think about who's my real father when it comes to the idea of Father's Day. In 1994, my stepdad passed away, and I wore this tie at his funeral. It was the first public message that I ever gave. Now, don't get used to the tie deal, because you'll never probably see me in a tie again unless I'm doing your wedding or your funeral, okay? And then at that point, you won't care what kind of tie I'm wearing, because you'll be in heaven. So, but, but, so as far as the dress code goes here, come as you are. Come exactly the way you want to be. And I'll probably be a little bit more casual next week. So just so that you'll know how that all kind of goes. So now here we are. After 1994, when I first spoke that message, did I realize that I would go into ministry at that time? I had no idea. But I started volunteering at Young Life um, here in Platte County and spent um, a few years volunteering as a leader there and got a chance to meet some people while I was there, and some people I still get to see today. This young man right here, who I love that guy's haircut. He reminds me a lot of myself. Um, and so, uh, so that's how it all kind of got started as far as ministry goes. One of the things I do want to do real quick, i just, I got to get this out of the way. I want to take your picture. All right, so smile. I won't get you all in there, but I'll get as much as possible. There you go. <laughs> So just a quick background, I moved here in 1988, I was 18 years old, I did not have a clue what I was doing, but I came here to work at American Airlines, I was making $5.77 an hour, and I thought that was pretty good, and no benefits, and I realized like six months later they actually gave me benefits, which I thought was pretty incredible, I didn't even know what health insurance was, or life insurance, or any of those things. Since then, I've lived in nine different places and ended up in a house here in 1995 and been there ever since. I drove here in an Escort GT. It was a nice little car my mom and dad bought me. I should have kept it. It would be a nice car to pass on to my youngest daughter right now. But instead, I've driven 16 different cars since that time. And my wife is just shaking her head because she knows the people at the DMV, like, Brady, hey, they know me by name. It's like walking into Cheers or something. They know who I am. They're always glad I'm there because I'm going to give them some money. Um, I've had uh, five children, and at, through over the years, we've had five different dogs, I think, as far as I can tell, if we count the one you brought into the marriage. So I've had, I've had, uh, I worked at American Airlines for 10 years. I worked at the Best Western here in town. Probably didn't know that before it moved to where it is now. I worked there for a couple of years. I would check people in at the hotel at, on, in the evening, and then I'd put them on the airplane the next morning. They thought it was like really good customer service. <laughs> Like, whoa, you just like followed us here. I just want to make sure you got on your plane okay. Service with a smile. Uh, I, I started working at the Baptist Church in Platte City here in town, and I was there for almost 15 years. I got a lot of really good um, training. And a lot of, got, I was really um, encouraged how to love people. and taught how to love and how to pastor and, and how to be a pastor. And that's I, I owe a lot to the pastor there at First Baptist Church, Pastor Rusty Savage. Uh, I have a really odd... Part time job, and some of you, if you know who I am, know me, you know what my part time job is. You can ask me later, I'll tell you what it is. And then I worked at Vineyard Church for a couple of years when I left here, and it turned out to be 22 months of really good training to prepare me for today. And so I'm excited that we give the opportunity to uh to be a part of this now if you probably figure out how much i make per hour as a pastor because you're really kind of on call 24 7 i think i'm up to like 577 or 578 an hour if you figure out hourly no i don't know i'm sure i make more than that but i am but i'm so excited to be here i wouldn't change a thing about about this journey that has got me to this Except for the fact, I still wish I had that 1988 Turbo Coupe that I was driving, Thunderbird Turbo Coupe. Now, that was, I would not have passed that car on to you. I would have kept that car for myself. I had to trade it in for a Volkswagen Fox. That's a whole other story for another day. I'm still going through therapy, getting over that. I'm sure I'll be fine eventually. This this may be our first official service, but this actually started, this journey started on March 23rd. I was sitting in. A, uh, sitting in Vineyard and I was listening to Pastor Fred speak and he was telling a story uh, out of the book of Genesis where Abram, before his name was changed to Abraham, Abram um, had a calling on his life. He had a blessing that God had, had spoke over him, but Abram was having trouble seeing that blessing because his current reality did not mix or, or match up with his, his, um, the blessing that God had called him to. And one of the reasons why is because Abram didn't have a son. And God kept saying, you're going to have an inheritance. You're going to be blessed with this massive inheritance. You're going to have all these, all these um, people that are going on after you. And he's like, how is that possible when I don't even have a son to pass on this to? Well, God said, you know, basically, hey, just trust me. I know it's going to happen. So Abram stepped outside, looked at the stars, and he believed God. He trusted God. And uh And as a result of that, God counted that as righteousness to Abram. And God was faithful to fulfill it. Well, 84 days ago, we didn't have any of this. 84 days ago, when I felt like my current reality was not matching up with the calling God had on my life, we decided at that particular time it was time to do something about it. So that's when it all got started. And now here we are today. And I'm glad my, my calling and my current reality has finally collided. And I'm sitting here thinking about all of the responsibility of continuing to keep this thing running. But we are excited because I'm not alone. Did you see this worship team up here? These people, God has gifted. Uh, my daughter was one of the girls that sang. It's so great to have her here. We have a whole group of people that have come along and shared their gifts to, to um, make this all possible. And then, you, and then you're here. And then I realize some of you are just, like, supporting me because you've watched me grow up and you love me, and, I, and I'm excited about that. And if you don't come back next week, I'll, I'll stalk you on Facebook. It's no big deal. No, <laughs> no, I won't. If you don't come back, I get it. I understand. But I also know that there is a community of people in Platte City that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we all can participate in that. And so I'm glad, glad, so glad that you're here. I only get one chance to do this. So let's just stop and think about it for a while. I only get one one time to preach, the for the first time. And so I thought a lot about what should I preach on. What I mean, you only get one time. What should it be? And so. So I just felt like, you know what, let's just continue where we've been. Because we've been meeting with a group of people over the last month and a half or so. And we've been getting into God's Word, we've been praying and been preparing. And so the place that we've been the most is in the book of Colossians. Okay, So if you have your Bible with you, it's in Colossians chapter 3. And we'll start, uh, start at verse number 18. And so we don't have any few Bibles to provide for you, so if you want to follow along um, in the Bible, we'd love for you to bring your own copy of Scripture with you. Now, I'm going to be teaching out of the new um, international version of the Bible. And so, But whichever one you have, just, just as I read, you can track along. And, and, uh, and God's Word never returns void, so it'll speak to you. So let's just pray, uh, and then we'll just jump right in. So God, thank you for all that has happened. 84 from 84 days ago up until this point. I thank you that you put it on the hearts of these people to be here today. For for whatever reason, God, you, you had them come and to support what it is that we're doing here. I believe that there is a calling on everyone's life. A calling first to love you and then to love others. That's the basic calling for all of us. So God, I pray that your word would speak truth, speak life. We would get something out of this. We can take it. And not just hear it today, but we'll put it into practice, and it'll change our current reality that we're living in right now. We just thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. So in Colossians, um, starting at verse number 18, he has some. Paul is writing this letter, and Paul's very, very, um, a very good student of theology, but he's also very practical. And when we need. We need to be practical when when it comes to how can we apply God's word to our life. And so he gives these words for um, rules for Christian households. Now, I know that the word rules is not a popular word. We don't necessarily like that word. So I've decided that, like last week, we'll change it to these are the best blessings for you. All right, so they're the best blessings you can possibly have. Instead of rules, they're blessings. So here's blessings for Christian households. And so everyone can get something out of this, I believe. And so, but I'm going to, obviously dads and fathers, there's a real emphasis on, on, uh, on you this, this morning. So it goes to say so this, I'll just read it to you. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, and we'll read through uh, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you, and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide for your slaves um, with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. And so just, let me just, let me just be, here's a disclaimer. I am not a seminary graduate. Okay, So if you're you're coming because I want someone to teach me uh, theology at its deepest level, I'm not your guy. But I do know what the Bible says and I do know how to apply it to my life. And I've lived it for a really long time. Have I lived it perfectly? No, you can ask my wife. She'll tell you that I haven't lived it perfectly. But am I passionate about it? Yes, I am. I believe that it's truth and that it applies to our life and we can learn something from it. If we open the Word and we open our heart and our ears, God will speak to us and it will actually bless us today. And so there's something in this word um, for all of us. First of all, when it talks about submitting to your husbands, and I know you're going to start, I don't want you to throw your purse at me quite yet because there's a blessing that comes with this. And actually, the Greek word for submit is the word hypotasso. Hypo literally means to be underneath someone, be under the authority, as opposed to hyper. You know, hyper is like you're over the top, just like, you know, you may have kids like that. (laughs) Um, but a hypo is literally to be under the authority of someone. But this submission that it's talking about actually has great power because it has great power to affect your husband. Like, you can literally affect your husband or your significant other by learning to submit to them. It actually shows them the grace of God. And so you ladies... Here, here, here's the deal, ladies. You all have the power anyway. We know that, all right. When someone asks me for money, I just point to my wife. I don't. I, my, if I put my wallet in my wife's purse, it disappears for days. You know, it's like it's like a vortex or something. My wife has the power, and we know that. We weren't nothing until God created woman and gave her to man. I mean, then we were finally complete. But your submission, ladies, has power. Matter of fact, it says you are an error. This is in First Peter chapter three. You're an error with your husband of the gracious gift of life. Like the two of you together, there's blessing in that. It's actually a reflection of the unity of God when husbands and wives submit to one another. But when a, when a wife lives this way, it has an effect on her husband. So husbands, it says that you should agapeo or love your wives and not be harsh with them. So I think guys really have the greater responsibility here. Because I think if you love rightly, then your wife has... She has a choice still, but she's compelled then to submit because her husband's loving her like Christ loved the church. And love that we're speaking of can be only known by the action that it prompts. Love must produce something. You can say that you love someone, right? And we can say it all day long. But until you show someone that you love them with your actions, and I get it, as men, we're a little better most of the time at showing our love. Like, hey, look at me, I've, sh- I've provided for you, I've taken care of, made sure the wood pile is full, or I made sure that I bring home the money and make sure we have everything that we need. Uh, but guys, sometimes we need to get better at our words. We need to say the things that we need to say while it's still called today. Like, this is a good day to, to say what we need to say. And if, you're, if your father is still alive and you have an opportunity, tell him Happy Father's Day and tell him you love him. You might need to say, hey, I'm sorry, please forgive me. You know, or maybe you're waiting for your father to say that. Someone has to go first. You know, but love must prompt action. And so I believe that if you want submission, then love your wife the right way, and then let God take care of the rest. So what, about, what happens if you feel like... Um, in, your, in, this, in this current situation that you're in, maybe in your relationship or with your family or whatever, you, you feel like you just want to give up. And let me, let me tell you a story. This is a, a real-life story for me that happened right here in this YMCA, down in the first room that you come into where people are working out. One day, I was in there exercising, and I had my WWJD bracelet on. You know, what would Jesus do? I have a cross necklace that I always wear. And I was, I was working out. And I wasn't working out hard because usually I'd spend most of my time talking to people and not really working out. <laughs> but I was visiting with this guy, and this, um, I saw this man come in, and I didn't recognize him. And then I realized it was the same guy I saw walking down the street in front of the high school. I'm thinking, what? That's weird. What is... I've never seen this guy before. I wonder what he's doing. Well, he was in town for a football game. He was a college football coach from the University of the Cumberlands in Kentucky. And he was just coming to the Y to get a workout in. Uh, before everything got started that day. And so he came up to me, and I I was watching him too, watching the way he was interacting with people. And he came up to me and said, hey, you're a a believer, aren't you? And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, how could you tell? He said, well, I mean, the bracelet, I saw your cross, but I also saw the way you were interacting with people, just the way you're talking with them. You're very encouraging and, and those kind of things. And I'm like, well, yeah, man, that's, that's really cool that you noticed that. Hey, what's your name? So we got to talking. And then, um, have you ever heard someone say to you, and if you haven't, I hope you'll get to someday, have you ever heard anyone say to you, hey, um, God, God told me something to tell you? Have you ever had that happen to you? Now, you've got to be a little bit on your guard when someone says, because there's people who might have a real wonderful plan for your life. That's not a great plan. So, I'm, so I was like, okay, so what's the word? But you know it's from God when it applies to your situation And it does something inside of you. See, little did he know that at that particular time, and I'm not sure exactly, I think this was around 2007 maybe, uh, I was very discouraged in my life. I was not being the husband that I was supposed to be. It's probably not being the dad, which by the way, being a dad is easier than being a husband. It just is. I think there's a greater responsibility to be a better husband, and that's the reason why it's so hard. And so I was struggling. I just wasn't feeling it. And I was, I was actually in the middle of preparing to preach at a youth retreat that weekend, and I'm sitting here not feeling very Christ-like. And this man comes to me, and he says, God has a word for you. And he said, the word is Galatians 6, verse 9. It says, do not grow weary in doing good, but if you do not give up, at the proper time you'll reap a harvest. Or something along those lines. He said, God says, do not give up. And it lit a fire in my soul. Like, it was like God knew exactly where I was. And by the way, that's the kind of father God is. He knows exactly where you are, exactly what you need and when you need it. And he gives it to you because he's a giver of all good gifts. And he gave me this word and it lit a fire in me. We ended up praying outside the Y for quite a while. I stayed in contact with him for several years. And it was him that called me one day, just out of the blue, and said, Hey Brady, have you ever thought about being a senior pastor? That same fire, he lit it again. I'm like, you know I have, I've thought about it a lot, but I don't even know what that looks like or how that's even possible. Like In my current reality, it's not possible. Well, obviously God was doing something then. And the same guy kept, kept blessing me. You know, And I just, I just want to encourage you guys, especially you guys today, this is a word for you. Do not grow weary in doing good and being the man God has called you to be. Because if you do not give up, you will reap a harvest. And in, and in some small or even grand way, let, let me just be real with you, you today are my harvest. The fact that you get, I get a chance to be here with you today. And whatever it looks like from this moment on, God was faithful in this, in this building, in the YMCA, while I was here working out, you know, the C and the YMCA came alive that day. The Christian part of it was alive that day. All right, so children. any children, raise your hand if you're a child. That means, let's say, you're still like, your parents are still supporting you. You're a child, all right? There you go, Randy. <laughs> my, mom, my mom's still baking me pies, and she's still supporting me. But matter of fact, our first support check for this church came in the mail from my mom. She just, I just wanted to sew into what you were doing, honey, and she... Don't wash that in your jeans, you know. <laughs> Can you edit that, Zach? Take that off. So, children, you're not off the hook because it says in, this, in the verses that we read, it says you are told to, what, obey your parents. And you're like, oh, obey? Come on, that sounds so hard. And the word is actually kuo, which literally kind of means the same thing, sitting under the authority of your parents, and it says that you should do this in everything. All right? And everything's kind of an all-inclusive word. In everything you're supposed to obey. Now, as God's children, we can learn the same thing. We can all say we are supposed to obey in everything. Not just when it's convenient, or kids. Not when it comes just with a payment. Like, you know you're getting something for it, right? That's when it's easy to obey. Now, if you clean your room, we'll go get some Dairy Queen. Oh, okay, yeah, in that case, let me go clean my room. But as I said, just doing it when you know it's just the right thing to do. In this particular case, actions speak louder than words. It's Once again, it's that love that comes with action. It's listening versus doing. It's one thing to listen. It's another thing to actually live it out. And and the, the number one reason, kids, and all of us, is because it's the right thing to do and it pleases God. Then it goes back to fathers again in verse 21. Do not embitter your kids. And in this particular verse, it's talking about don't stir them up. It doesn't say you can't discipline them or you shouldn't discipline them, which, by the way, is, a, which is something you should do um, in love and on in a consistent basis. And it doesn't say you shouldn't embarrass them, but it, does, it says not to stir them up, rile them up. Um, there are some moments in my... In my fatherhood, where I embittered my kids, especially when it comes to sports, <laughs> I was. If, I wish I could have just sat on the sidelines and not said a word, you know. But instead, I was a little bit too boisterous sometimes, or just wouldn't let it go. And and uh, there was times where my oldest daughter would say, "Dad, that's enough. I don't need. I don't need you to coach me anymore. We're done." You know, it's like okay. And I finally got it after all those years. You can. My younger girls can thank my oldest daughter for taking all of that upon herself. <laughs> She bore that. But fathers, don't stir your kids up. Support them, encourage them, but be a consistent force in their life. And then it goes on to talk about slaves, which I want to talk about this word because it's a word that applies to all of us at some point because we've all been an employee, right? And maybe in your job you felt like a slave. But in this case, it's talking about something completely different than what you would think of as a slave. This is the word doulos, which means you are a bond servant. And a bondservant is someone who willingly chooses to sit under the authority of someone. Like you willingly choose to go to work. Wouldn't that change everything if we just say, you know what, I don't have to work here today. I get to work here today. Like I'm going to come and I'm going to serve and I'm going to work as if I'm working for the Lord. Not for the man, (laughs) but for the master. And I'm going to do it in such a way to where whether people are looking at me or, or whatever, I'm just going to work hard and do it and honor God. And God will bless me for that. He'll, he'll take care of you if you learn to be content. And it, God will just pour out his blessing upon you. It might not be um, the job you're going to do forever, but it might be the job you have to do right then in order to take care of your family. And, and so, so here's a question. What kind of an employee are you? You know, who are you really working for? Are you working for your family? Are you working for the Lord? Or both? You know, sometimes if we think we're working for someone else and they're not giving us what we feel like we deserve, we, get, we can grow weary in doing good, right? And it says that we should not. And then it finishes up with this. Be a person of integrity, whether you are the employee or the boss. Because you should treat others. Hey, okay? You should treat others the way that you want to be treated. All this is good. All this is good wisdom for dads and for children and for wives and for employees. It's great stuff. But literally, all the stuff that I've been talking about so far represents this horizontal piece of wood. These are all of the relationships to our left and to our right. It hasn't effectively dealt with the vertical relationship which is the most important relationship at all. Matter of fact, it is the relationship above all relationships. And if this is right, then this affects all of these, right? And so we think about our relationship with our Heavenly Father and how we establish a relationship with Him through faith in Christ. Then wives can submit to their husband. Then husbands can love their wife rightly. Then children as they see, you know what? My Father in heaven loves me. He has a good plan for me. I can trust God. And God's given me parents to, to take care of me. I can trust them and do the right thing by them because my, my vertical relationship is, is solid and it's nailed down. It's where it's supposed to be. Now, I want you to think about something. This, this cross, for one, was given to me by a friend, another guy named Brady, another pastor. And he gave us his cross and we had put lights around it. We put it in our front yard. So I guess, if, for, if anything, people can identify that at Christmas we're, we're Christians, not just people who love Christmas, which we do love both. But anyway, so this, this cross has some power to it, but, but it's only significant when you pull the illustration from it and, and what it represents. Here's the deal. If you take away the vertical piece, the horizontal piece doesn't do much. It just falls to the ground. It fails. It fails to accomplish what it was meant to accomplish without this piece here. Does that does that make sense? Does that resonate? Do you you see what I'm talking about? Like that's a I think object lessons we can see with our eyes and hear with our ears. It's very important. One of the pieces of our of our statement or our mission statement here is that we are a Christ-centered community that we want to help all people experience the compassionate love of the Father. Because I think once we learn how much God truly loves us and the way He has is, he is poured out His love for us and demonstrated it, more than just words, He demonstrated His love for us. Once we realize that, that begins to change all the other places in our life. It, we begin to discover the calling God has on our life. And, you know, I love the fact that God would never call us to do anything he's not already done for us. He would never ask us to sacrifice something in our life if he has already been willing to sacrifice. And we know where that verse comes from when it comes to this, this powerful image of this father who loves us and loves his own son, but loves us enough to give his only son in John chapter 3, verse 16, where it says that God loved the world so much that he gave his son. You know, and we've heard that verse so many times. Do we really let it impact us? He was willing to sacrifice His Son so that we might have life. It says that He didn't didn't come into the world to condemn the world, which is good news for all of us, because we have a reason to even condemn ourselves at times. But Jesus said, I did not come to condemn you, but I've come to save you and to give you life. And those who believe in Him have this life. Earlier in in John chapter 1, it says that those who believe in Him and who receive Him and believe in His name have the right to become the children of God. We have the right to become the children of the Father, adopted into His family, given access to all that is His. That's a beautiful promise. It, it, it makes the difference in all the other areas of our life when we begin to realize that God loves us like that. And isn't it good news that God did not wait until we got everything figured out, Right? Like he says he demonstrated his love for us in this in Romans chapter 5, that he, Christ died for us while we were yet in our sin. He demonstrated his love for us. Well, here's the deal as we get ready to finish up our time. It might be that this morning you, maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus. I realize that that's possible in a a so-called Christian nation. There are people that come, you come in contact with every day that have never truly trusted in Jesus and put their hope and faith in Him. I, I get that. Or maybe you just needed a fresh reminder today of God's faithfulness and His love for you, His compassionate love for you. You just needed that to be reminded to you today. The Bible speaks of God being the giver of all good gifts. Like he, If you wanted bread, He wouldn't give you a stone. He would give you good gifts. And the best gift he can give you is eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the best gift he can give you. Crystal's going to come, and as we kind of finish up our time. Now, one of the things that we think about as we think about uh, church and and what it looks like and kind of what your typical experience is, uh, one of the things that we feel like is really important in our community is to give you an opportunity to to pray or be prayed for and we're not going to make it uncomfortable for you we're not going to make you come forward or make you stand up or whatever except this we will provide an opportunity for you th- this morning if you're if you're here and you and you say you know what I came to church and I think church is a good place for someone to pray for me <laughs> like it's the best place like I a guy prayed with me here at the YMCA and it wasn't church but we're in church this morning and if, you, if you're here this morning and, and any of this stuff, as you, as you hear it, as it goes into your mind and then maybe into your heart, do you, do you want someone to pray with you today? Or maybe, you need, maybe you've never dealt with a vertical relationship in your life between you and the Lord. And, and I, I promise you that would be the first step you would need to take and the most important step you need to take today. Put your trust in Jesus. Watch how He changes every other relationship in your life. I'm living proof of of that reality. In 1994, I just really started getting serious about Jesus. I knew about Him my whole life, but I never really knew Him until then. And so maybe this morning that's you. And so the, the core team of people that have just Poured out their heart and their their lives to make this day possible. They're here. They're we're, they're standing around, and as Crystal sings this last song, this is your opportunity to put some actions, uh, to some to some maybe promises or thoughts or whatever you you have going on inside of you. You can you can just maybe step up or step out and go back, and we'll just pray with you. Just and here here's the deal. I believe in just being honest. Just tell people what it is you need prayer for. Like, hey, I really just need you to pray for me today because I'm, I'm, I'm not the father I need to be, but I, I want to be. Or I want to put my hope in Jesus today. This is, this is your chance. Um, we're not, we won't go anywhere until, until everyone has the opportunity. It's not a high-pressure sales call here. <laughs> it is really up to you to respond. Think about the vertical relationship and how it affects the horizontal ones. So let us pray. Jesus, I love in Isaiah where it says that you are the everlasting Father. And that you're, you had a Father's heart. And you came and loved your children. You loved them the right way. You loved them with your life. More than just words, you you demonstrated your love for us and and Lord I just confess that there are times where I, I forget how much you've loved me and and I go on and try to do things on my own and I try to love my wife without your help and it just doesn't work or I try to be a dad without you Lord and um, or I try to uh, go to work and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it as with as great as excellence as I could because I wasn't doing it for the right reason. So, Lord, whatever, whatever it is that we need to hear from you this morning, I pray that we have already heard it or you'll speak to us now about it. And so we do offer this opportunity, Lord, for anyone that wants to, to come or to be prayed for, to, to just process through some of the stuff that they've heard today. Uh, and, Lord, we just invite you to come and, and be here. We just need your presence and we need you to, to, to lead us and guide us. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.